Welcome to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us this weekend. I'm Jason Kong here with the man himself, Bill Alexander. Bill, how are you doing today? Uh, Jason, I'm doing great. I hope you are uh, for sure. Uh, This is, we have had uh, super duper crazy weather. That's for sure. It's uh, freezing one day and balmy the next. It's just uh, absolutely nuts. Uh, And then, of course, um, we've had a good bit of rain as well. So it's, you know, it's it's just, I guess it's just that time of year when North Carolina weather is all over the place. You can go through your entire wardrobe in the span of a week. You know, you can <laughs> you're right. Span the whole spectrum. One, one there. day you're wearing a coat, and the next day you're you're uh, uh, going coatless, if you will. So, uh, yeah. <clears throat> but you know, there's nothing better, uh, nothing finer than being in Carolina, right? <laughs> exactly, and it's hard to believe, Bill. We're almost through the month of January. Uh, you know, we're counting down the last few days, and and of course, uh, the truth is that we need a few weeks of really really cold weather. Now we've had one week that was bone chilling, record breaking, uh, where you know most of us were worried if our uh, you know if 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 our heat pumps were gonna would go out, the the like, but. Um, you know, frankly, when we do have uh, a couple weeks of really, really cold, freezing temperatures, it makes our spring and summer so much more pleasant. A lot of folks don't think about it, but we actually need uh, the cold weather to um, to to kill the bugs. You know, it makes uh, for a lot less. Uh, unpleasant bugs in in the in the summertime. So uh, you know it's we're we're going to have a good summer. <laughs> and of course, you know the the truth is that again, you know when it gets to be bitterly cold, this is when you make your your plans uh, to uh, go to uh, South Florida or to the the Caribbean. Uh, or to the Bahamas, if you will, uh, for a week of respite, you know. So I certainly have that uh, in my plans, uh, and I'm looking forward to that for sure. Uh, I mean, the only place not to go would be California. I mean, considering all the things that they're suffering through with weather and mass shootings and uh, just the just the horrible experiences uh, there. Um, so we, you know, our hearts go out and our prayers go out to the folks who are suffering uh, there. Uh, but uh, I wanted to talk this morning um, about, uh, well, what else? Estate planning. A- and, um, you, you know, I'm a huge believer and planning should be about life. It's not about death. I mean, death is something that we all deal with. I mean, it's something that we all will um, will face. Uh, but the fact is, is that the, our planning, you know, the death part of planning is super easy. I mean, it, it's not that big a deal. It's like, okay, what are the final arrangements? Uh, but the real key is... How do you take care of yourself during your life? How do you make sure that your spouse 
is cared for during his or her life. Uh, and what do you want to do for your children uh, and grandchildren? I mean, you want to make their, for the most part, we want to make their lives better. I mean, it's not like we want them to suffer. <laughs> Sometimes we might. <laughs> but for the most part, you know, we really want our family to be in a good place, in a better place. Uh, and and for the most part, we've had, um, you know, each generation has been able to carve out a better place for the next generation. Now, I don't think that is completely true today. I think it uh, has been absolutely true uh, up through my generation. Uh, and, of course, I'm a, a baby boomer. But the fact is is that for baby boomers, our parents that absolutely forged uh, better opportunities, better uh, uh, placements for us. Um, and I think it was true for them in terms of their parents carved out a better place for them and the, the generation before that and the generation before that. But today, it's much harder to do. And I'm not so sure that the, the truism is still true. Uh, now, it certainly is for many families, because those of us who've had great opportunities have been able to uh, give our children uh, similar or, or even better opportunities. And, of course, there's an awful lot of wealth in the baby boomer generation. And then the, the, our next generation down is... Uh, there's there's an awful lot of money. Let's put it that way. Uh, not only in our generation, but in the next generation too. All you have to do is look around Wake County and see all the multi-million-dollar homes that are going up. Uh, you know, it, it blows my mind when you think about uh, how many families uh, have, uh, if you want to say it, more money than they know what to do with. I mean, it's it's a it's it's a it's a huge blessing, but one of the things that I, is a recurring theme uh, when it comes to planning, which which is actually um, not an inappropriate goal, is I want to keep things simple. I don't want things to be complex for my family when I depart. Uh, and, and the thing about it is, is that there are different concepts of making uh, simple work. But what I, what I and of course for me, I, I um, advocate simple, but I also advocate plans that work better uh, because I know the plans that I create for my clients uh, are simple to administer, it, you know, in terms of uh, initially understanding some of the terms, and, and it's, you know, I'll blame it on the IRS. Can't we, can't we do that? It's because the tax code can be complex, and to get what you want, sometimes you have to use fancy words that, uh, you know, that most people are not um, uh, familiar with. So, 
Uh, but that to me, if you have a plan that's easy to administer and gives you more opportunities uh, and gives you better options and lower taxes uh, and asset protection, then to me, that is where we want to be. But there's some folks that don't care about the better options, don't care about asset protection. It's just like, I want as simple as I can get, no matter what. And now, okay, so let's go into some of the things. And you just stop me when we need to take a break, because you know me. I'll keep going. Um, all right, so you want simple, so it's like, I don't need to do anything at all, because it'll just go to my family uh, at my death. So I don't even do a last will and testament. Well, the fact is, if you don't do a last will and testament as a basic document, you're actually making things more complex for your family generally. Number one, you're not in control of who gets what upon your death. Uh, now, you may have set some things up uh, that where you know where it will go, but when you don't have a will, the state of North Carolina has a will for you. It's called intestate succession. And a lot of folks think, oh, well, if I die, my spouse will get everything. No, that's not the case. Actually, your spouse will get part of your estate, and your children will get part of your estate. Now, if you have no children, yes, your, your spouse will get everything, uh, typically, uh, unless your parents are still living. <laughs> in that case, nope, she, he or she won't, won't get it all in that case either if there are no children. So what I'm getting at is, uh, and a lot of most folks have no clue what these rules are when it comes to intestacy. All right, so um, the, the next piece is, okay, uh, what if I'm married uh, and we've we've set up things through the bank and the brokerage house uh, with rights of survivorship. Well, I mean, the truth is, is that most married folks who've been married a long time, and it's not a second or third marriage, you know, where things become a little more complex when they're children by previous marriage, then for, for most folks, even folks with... Uh, a lot of wealth, that does become a fairly simple plan because to the degree your spouse gets um, uh, the bank account with right of survivorship, the brokerage account with right of survivorship, gets the life insurance by beneficiary, gets the um, retirement account by beneficiary, uh, gets the real estate as being a co-owner with you, that's called tenants by the entireties, then in essence, that becomes a pretty simple plan. Most, uh, at the first death, uh, most, um, uh, a lot of families only have to do one thing, and, and that is uh, a spousal year's allowance. And if you've never heard of that, that's a real simple process where you can move up to $60,000 to your spouse in front of your creditors uh, and it's it's not probate, it's not court administration, but it is a court-approved move the property to the spouse. Um, and so on the first death, when you have a smaller estate and that's the kind of planning that you want, that's, that's simple and, and that works. 
But uh, sometimes it can also create other problems uh, that you don't think about unless you have good advice. So I know I have to take a break. You're looking at me like that. So uh, I want to come back and talk about what not to do if you want a simple estate. (laughs) Sometimes it's just as important to know what not to do as to know what you should be doing in that case. But that's wonderful advice, Bill. And if you want to schedule an appointment to speak with Bill, you can go to WGALaw.com. From there, you can book an appointment. You can also find information about Bill's free webinars. Maybe you want to learn more by attending Bill's Asset Protection and Trust Planning webinar. It's free to do so. There's no cost to you. And you can do it from the comfort of your own home. Go to WGALaw.com. Click on the Seminars button at the top of the page. Bill also has another webinar dedicated to long-term care assistance. This deals with Medicaid, VA benefits, some areas that can be quite confusing and are often filled with lots of misinformation, myths, and half-truths. So if you would like to sort things out and learn from Bill with no obligation to you, there's no cost to attend, go to WGALaw.com. Click on the Seminars button at the top of the page. As I said, it's free to register, and this is happening on Wednesday, February 8th. Bill does these the second Wednesday of every month, so the next set of webinars happening is on Wednesday, February 8th. Again, go to WGALaw.com or call 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000. Quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. You can learn more about Bill at WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. If you want to schedule an appointment to speak with Bill or register for his free webinars happening on Wednesday, February 8th, head on over to WGALaw.com. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, we're talking about estate planning and wanting to keep that simple and I think I think that goes for most people. You know, we, we so often talk about, you know, the, the sweetheart will and just wanting everything to go to your spouse and whatever's left, and then, you know, go to, well, your, to your kids. Right. And, and okay, so let's say we're married. We've had a long-term marriage, and we have children together. Uh, uh, and uh, okay, how about that sweetheart will? We leave everything to our spouse. And if we have a modest estate, that's probably exactly what we should do. But... Let's say that we want to make darn sure that our children receive an inheritance. You know, the fact that you leave everything to your spouse doesn't ensure anything because your spouse, uh, quite frankly, may very well get remarried or move on, or it may be that the children that you have a good relationship with somehow don't have the same relationship with your surviving spouse and could be left out uh, altogether. So what I'm getting at is the fact that um, uh, in some cases, by leaving things to your spouse, 
uh, you could be leaving your children out altogether. And there are ways that you can ensure that your children receive uh, an inheritance from you. Um, so, so you can go from simple to, wait a minute, <laughs> that, that may not be what we want to do. Um, okay, so some folks think simple means making sure that your assets pass to your loved ones uh, and not go through probate and court administration. Uh, now, there are two ways that you can actually accomplish that, but they both, unfortunately, have risks if you don't have it really well coordinated. So what are they? The first, most folks will say, oh, I've heard about a revocable trust. That's easy for me during my lifetime uh, because I can create a trust that doesn't require me to do anything differently. I, you know, there's no handcuffs on how I pay my income taxes uh, or report them, or there's uh, no restrictions on how my uh, property is invested or spent. So, I, you know, the restrictions come when I die for either my spouse or my children or the like. And so um, you can have a simple revocable trust that distributes your property. Uh, and, and the advantage is it is outside of court administration, which, of course, slows things down, makes things more complex, and uh, there's an expense to it that's far more than what you would have with administering a, a simple trust. So, you know, obviously that's one option. However, the worst thing you can do is to create a trust and think you're done. You know, it basically, because when you do a trust, you could say that what you're doing, what you have to do, is to transfer property to the trust similarly to what you would do upon your death, you know, in terms of trans having transfer property to your spouse or the next generation. So that's an important concept to realize that you're not finished when you sign the documents. And it's unfortunate that many attorneys don't take responsibility on helping you make sure that your trust works the way you intend it to work. I mean, truthfully, if you go out and buy a car and it doesn't run, you're not very happy. <laughs> so if it doesn't work the way you expect it to work, you're not happy and legitimately not happy. And truthfully, with a trust, it's all about uh, making sure that your property goes to the trust so it doesn't go through the court administration process. Um, so how do you do that? You transfer your property from yourself individually to yourself as a fiduciary, as trustee. Uh, there's an, another option you can use, and that's a beneficiary designation to your successor trustee at your death. And again, that should be done with good legal advice on what is best for you, because sometimes transferring it in advance to your trust is clearly best, and sometimes it actually works better to have a beneficiary designation to your trustee. 
But the fact is, is that you have to know what you're doing with beneficiary designations. Uh, and here's the thing. It's getting more and more where your bank and your broker, dealer, your investment advisor, they have all these forms. And when you create your account, more often than not, they have a beneficiary designation for your account in the paperwork. Now, do you have to do a beneficiary designation? Absolutely not. You can make it part of your trust. But most people think you have to sign everything that they put in front of you. And typically, uh, a, a uh, financial advisor or a banker is not going to advise you on how do you fill out your beneficiary designation. And so this is now, do they call your estate planning attorney and say, hey, Bill, <laughs> how do we do this? Uh, the banker's certainly not going to do it, and your financial advisor will only do it when they know that you've got an estate plan with an attorney, and sometimes they don't ask the right question, quite frankly. And that's where it, it, it puts the burden on you to know that you need to get it done. And some you might need to contact your estate planning attorney and say, okay, with my plan, how do I do this so that I have it done correctly for me and my family? So, you know, those are the kind of things that make a huge difference because you have to understand the bank and the financial house, they don't care what you put down. They just want something down on their POD or their TOD or beneficiary form. Now, why do you think that is, folks? It's simple. It's because it makes it easier on them upon your death. It's like, okay, give me a benef give me a death certificate and we'll pay this money out to your spouse or to your children or to your grandchildren or whoever you've told us to, to spend it to. But we don't have to worry about any other documentation because we have a contract right here that says uh, pay on my death to so-and-so. Well, if, if that is consistent with your estate plan, that's great. But if it's not consistent, and I can tell you right now, it's more likely that it's not consistent than consistent because I've been around a long time and I've seen the, these mess up a really good estate plan that people have. And a couple, and this can affect very wealthy families, and it can affect uh, less wealthy families. I mean, for instance, uh, if you if if you if you have a wealthy family, it's highly likely that you have a tax plan in your estate planning, and that means uh, oftentimes you're creating an irrevocable trust at the first death among the two spouses, and that. Um, uh, you know, you might be doing that for remarriage protection for your children, or you might be doing it to create a credit shelter trust for tax purposes and generation skipping purposes, uh, which can be very, very important to save your children could be millions of dollars in taxes that they could have avoided paying if you'd just done it right. Um, so uh, it's, uh, or uh, and, and a beneficiary designation that leaves everything to your spouse 
um, blows that plan or a beneficiary designation that leaves things directly to your children as opposed to flowing through your trust can blow that plan. So you instead of making it simple, you've made it more complex and oftentimes more expensive. So um, that... Uh, now, what about the less wealthy family? Well, oftentimes we create a trust for asset protection purposes for your spouse in the, your last will and testament. And they're called supplemental needs trusts, particularly for seniors who have a, 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 a frail spouse. And you're trying to protect them in the event that you die first. Uh, worst case scenario, you know, there's nobody to take care of your spouse upon your death, and you're trying to protect those assets. Well, we have a Medicaid plan that that uh, uh, basically creates an asset protection trust for a spouse at your death uh, that doesn't go through the five-year look back, doesn't have any kind of sanction, is unlimited in how much, and it's asset protected for all purposes, including Medicaid. Well, you got to have things go in the trust, and beneficiary designations oftentimes will blow that unless you're doing it correctly. So what I'm getting at is sometimes you think you're doing what's simple, and you're really screwing things up. And it really comes down to having good advice on how to set things up and then following the advice of your estate planning attorney and not letting others who don't care about your plan don't ask about your planning they're just assuming that it's better for you to keep it simple so that it goes directly to somebody and quite frankly trusts are far better because they a good trust will have lots of contingency planning uh, for things that happen that we don't expect you need to make sure that all the parts of your trust are working in harmony so that you don't have a situation where your plans are blown up. If you want to get organized, schedule an appointment to speak with Bill, or maybe you've already established a trust, but you're worried that some of these elements may not be working in harmony. Get that reviewed by an elder law attorney. Schedule some time to speak with Bill. You can go to WGALaw.com to do that. You can also call the office. The phone number is 919 256 7,919-256-7,000 to get a hold of Bill to schedule an appointment. You can also find information about Bill's free webinars if you want to learn more about long-term care assistance or dive deeper into asset protection and trust planning. Bill has free webinars that he puts on the second Wednesday of every month. The next set of webinars is happening on Wednesday, February 8th. Go to WGALaw.com. Click on the Seminars button at the top of the page to register for free. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Go to WGALaw.com to learn more about Bill, schedule an appointment to speak with him, or to find more about his free webinars happening on Wednesday, February 8th, WGALaw.com. 
Bill'sAllegiance.com is the place to go. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, we're having a discussion. We've been speaking about planning and wanting to keep things simple. But one thing that can kind of influence our plans a little bit are when we're dealing with very young children, minors. Uh, Well, no question about it. Uh, Minors, uh, our children are very important to us, and we want... Uh, at least most of us want what's best for them, right? So uh, first of all, uh, it's, you know, because young people, uh, even people with children, uh, tend to uh, uh, believe themselves invulnerable, uh, 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 they're, they're going to live forever. They don't need to worry about uh, issues that might uh, strike them down. Uh, I mean, it typically, I mean, it's funny, but more often than not, when I see uh, young families come in for estate planning, it's like, well, we're going on a big trip and we're all going to be, you know, on the air or, you know, my wife and I are going on a, a plane ride and, you know, we're worried about if the plane goes down. <laughs> okay, I get it. So one of the things uh, when it comes to planning for children, number one is you should have a a trust in your last will and testament for your children. I'm not one who thinks that you should. Now, if you only have one child, no problem. But you still need a trust because you need to have someone appointed guardian. You need somebody appointed as the trustee to manage their money. It might be your parents. It might be a sibling. Uh, But it's a trusted person who will not take advantage of your children. They'll make sure that, that your wealth moves to your children upon your death, that your life insurance goes to the right place and, and the like. Uh, and, of course, we're talking about if both parents die, which is pretty rare, but it does happen, and planning for it is important. Now, I'm a believer in what's called a common trust until the youngest child reaches a certain age. Generally, that age is 25, sometimes 28, sometimes 30, but it's the kind of thing where what what you're what I believe that parents should do is create a trust for what you don't want is an equal division at your death. Why? Okay, you end up, you have one child who's 20 years old, has, has finished uh, three years of college, and you have another child who's a junior in high school, has not started. So if you do an equal division, then one child would will have benefited a whole lot more than the other child. And so it's really unequal in terms of what you're doing. And it's certainly not what you would do as parents. I mean, think about it. You know, you wouldn't give more money to one child, but you've basically given one child far more opportunities with the amount of inheritance that they receive if you do that. So a common trust gives one pot of money for all your children until the youngest child has the same opportunities as the older uh, children. And it's impossible to know when you die and how old your children will be or what opportunities they've had. And so a common trust acts like parents. In other words, if one child is sick and needs uh, uh, medical care that is not provided by the insurance, guess what? You provide it for them, 
But you don't hand checks out to the healthy children because they didn't need that help. We don't do that as parents. Or if you have one child that goes uh, to, to, say, uh, Duke, uh, which is extremely expensive, Duke University, I mean, you can pick others. Uh, I mean, whether it's Davidson, my alma mater, or Wake Forest, my alma mater. Uh, it, you know, it's uh, the bottom line is you have really expensive schools and you have much less expensive schools. Uh, and so when one child goes to Harvard and it's 100000 a year and another child goes to Wake Tech, do you write a check to your Wake Tech child for $99,000? No. <laughs> what I'm getting at is we treat our children to give them similar opportunities, not equal money. And that's why a common trust works best. Now, the other thing about minors that I want to share is what, what happens, you know, as parents— we assume we can make decisions for our children, but what happens when they turn 18? Under the law, they're adults. And so guess what? We lose our right. The moment they turn 18, we lose our right to make decisions for our children. Now, that doesn't mean we can't influence their decision making, but that doesn't mean we are the decision makers. We're not. Now, we can cut them off, of course, but that doesn't always work. And so the first thing, I, I mean, I tell a lot of folks, get a health care power of attorney at a minimum when your children turn 18, because that way, if they're in an accident, you can make decisions that might need to be made to hopefully get them back to good health. Um, uh, now, I would also recommend a general durable power of attorney. Uh, now, do they have any money? No. But to the degree that decisions need to be made and you can't predict what they will need, uh, it, you're basically putting yourself in a position to where you can actually help make decisions legally on their behalf until they get to an age where they get married or basically or go out on their own. Now, what about the weird situation where you you have a wild child. Now, I know there are folks out here that uh, saying that's me <laughs> and one who doesn't listen. That's most of us, okay? Uh, so uh, what I'm getting at is, and I want folks to know, because there are different things that we do for our children in trying to plan to give them a leg up as they grow older. One we might create uh, what's called a Uniform Transfer to Minors Act. We might help them once they start working and have wages, uh, help them set up a Roth IRA. Uh, we might set up a 529 educational plan uh, for our children. In fact, most of us do one or more of those things. Well, what if your child turns 18 and says, I'm out of here, I don't want anything more to do with you, and you're going, oh my goodness, well, we've set up all of these accounts for our children, how can we cut them off? And the fact is, you can't. Uh, in fact, I had that question posed to me this, this past week by uh, a family uh, where, you know, a child isn't listening, basically is running off with a horrible person 
and and the like. And uh, the fact is that the young lady's only 18 years of age and certainly not mature, but thinks she is. I mean, you know, how many teenagers are like that? So, but the fact is, is now with the Uniform Transfer to Minors Act, she doesn't actually get uh, possession of the account until she's 21. So, not 18, but she's still an adult at 18. So, the fact is, is that helps a little bit uh, but 529 plans, they're going to control those once they turn 18. Uh, Roth IRAs, now they have some limitations in terms of not being able to get them for five years. And they, there's a penalty, you know, there's a tax, 10%, if they take them out before 59 and a half. So you hope they're not stupid when it comes to that sort of thing. But the fact is, is that when they turn 18, you lose control. Uh, and uh, you, 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 you have a few more years left to, to prevent them from taking the money out if it's a Uniform Transfer to Minors Act. But, uh, but the bottom line is, is that hopefully uh, you don't have that problem to, to deal with. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's sad uh, when you have children that turn their backs on you, but it does happen from time to time, and, and families are complex. You just hope that they get their act together before it's too late. Accounting for family dynamics is so important to have that factored into your planning. You know, we we desire the simple, but oftentimes that that is not the case. And going that route or ignoring the planning can result in some pretty devastating consequences. Schedule some time to speak with Bill if you need to get some documents in order, or maybe it's been a while or even decades since you've had your documents reviewed, or maybe you've never had them reviewed. Make sure you have them reviewed by an elder law attorney. You can schedule an appointment to speak with Bill by going to WGALaw.com. You can also find information at WGALaw.com about Bill's free webinars. The next set are happening on Wednesday, February 8th. If you want to learn more about long-term care assistance or asset protection and and trust planning, this is a wonderful free opportunity for you. Go to WGALaw.com or call the office. The phone number is 919-256-7000. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be right back. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. WGALaw.com is where you can go to register for Bill's free webinars if you want to learn more about Medicaid, VA benefits, and long-term care assistance. Register for Bill's free webinar at WGALaw.com. The next webinars are happening on Wednesday, February 8th. Still have time to register right now. It's free to do so. WGALaw.com. Just click on the seminars button at the top of the page. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, we often talk about insurance and the importance of life insurance. Well, what happens if we don't need life insurance anymore? Well, you know, frankly, uh, oftentimes when people are, you know, they reach retirement age, 
Uh, and they've had life insurance for a long time. And, of course, the thing about it is when you're young and you purchase uh, life insurance, hopefully at that age, um, and by age I'm talking typically about the time you get married, you start thinking in terms of financial responsibility. And then when children come along, you're thinking doubly about financial responsibility at that point. Uh, and quite frankly, uh, one thing that most of us do uh, is we purchase term life insurance uh, initially, number one, because it's very inexpensive, and we want some protection to cover typically our mortgage, you know, to, so that our surviving spouse will um, have a house that's paid for. Uh, and hopefully some income replacement uh, that will help uh, our spouse and our children uh, in the event uh, of an unexpected early demise. Um, and then uh, if we have a little more money, uh, we might uh, hopefully early on buy uh, some whole life insurance or universal life insurance uh, knowing that term insurance will expire at some point in our lifetime and that whole life is something that, or universal life is something that we can keep forever as long as we keep paying the premiums. But what happens is oftentimes we get to retirement age and, of course, lots of unexpected events in our lifetime, and it's like, do I really need this life insurance anymore? Do I want to keep paying these premiums? Well, obviously, uh, the answers to that is it depends. Isn't that a great legal answer? Um, but it does. I mean, it, uh, sometimes it's a matter of is it a small policy, one that will you know pay for your funeral, uh, or is it one that uh, will be a significant windfall to somebody? And so part of it is, why do I want to keep the insurance? I mean, you got to answer that question because it might be, you know, at hopefully by the time you retire, all your debts are paid uh, and the like. But the question is, who is it for? Is it for my spouse? Is it for my children? Uh, is it to pay those nasty taxes or particularly if you have a large estate with a state tax? Uh, or have you used it as a substitute for your uh, retirement account uh, that's taxable, you know, things along those lines. Um, and, and so there are a lot of reasons to have life insurance. But the fact is, is that uh, one, obviously, is you can liquidate it. That's if it's uh, whole life uh, or universal, it's probably going to be a taxable event if you do. A better option for a larger policy, if you're still in good health, is a conversion to long-term care insurance. That's not a taxable event, and it's a pretty good way to go with a policy that you've been paying for for a long time. It's a valuable instrument. You can borrow against your life insurance. You can do lots of things with a, a good policy, and you need some good advice before you just willy-nilly liquidate it or, or turn it in thinking, oh, it's it's not something I need anymore. Because oftentimes there's a better option than simply liquidating. And it, so for some folks who have larger policies and they find themselves sick, 
uh, even if they don't have a rider that allows them to take their policy early, they can sell their policy. It's called a life settlement. Uh, and that's another option that people can do that can be very beneficial to them uh, instead of simply liquidating a life insurance policy. It's good to know that there are some options available that hopefully won't uh, devastate you as much or cause you as much pain or taxes in that regard. So get a hold of some good advice. If you want to schedule an appointment to speak with Bill, head on over to WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be right back. listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Don't forget to register for Bill's free webinars happening Wednesday, February 8th. Sign up at WGALaw.com or call the office 919-256-7000. That will do it for us today. On behalf of Bill Alexander, I'm Jason Kong. Thanking you so much for listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Have a wonderful day. Mm